Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again. We're really going to dig in on playoff stuff because yeah, it was a show about the playoff, Doug Maurice with Shahan Jeharaja of CBS Sports. Shahan, you know, this offseason, it's fun to talk about the players and the coaches and the teams and all that stuff is more fun. But there is structural stuff with the playoff that this show was designed to address, that it was launched in part because we thought we were headed toward an expanded playoff universe. And that's, you know, let's let's make this whole show about the playoff. And if you have 12 teams to talk about, frankly, it would make our jobs on this show a little bit easier rather than trying to, well, who are the four teams going to be? It expands for everybody. It expands for podcasters as well, Shahan. So we're not saying we're rooting for anything. We just want what's best for college football and this podcast. So we're going to dig in. Reportedly, the uh, the people who talk about playoff expansion are going to meet again in early March. They've met a gazillion times. Last time they met at the national title game, they all the reports where they came out of rooms were like, rah, 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 rah. It's like grumpy guys. It's like, well, that didn't go well. So... Shahan, we're going to try to cover what are the issues holding up the playoff discussion right now? Are they reasonable issues? And do we think they legitimately are kind of easy to work out? Or is this a huge sticking point? But we can make structure fun, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, who who doesn't love them? A procedural drama. And what is this? What uh, imagine when we talk about all of this that you're actually just watching like Succession yeah. or something where it's you know, it's just it's just a bunch of guys in a room, one of uh, probably at least one of them's really old and uh, and you know, he's probably going to win. So, you know, we'll, we'll They're doing the, they're redoing the old Law and Order. You've seen the commercials with Sam Waterston, right? <laughs> so this is like Law and Order playoff expansion. Yeah, I, I will say uh, I was unaware that Anthony Anderson was part of the Law and Order universe. I did not Back know that day, I, yeah. when I saw him on. Yeah, because yeah, I I uh, no, I, I watched that show Blackish for that, that he's a star, of course. So it was very weird for me to see the Law and Order commercial and be like Dre from yeah. Blackish. I love Blackish and I love Dre. And it's like, I was like, Dre, yeah. now Dre's like, I gotta go be a cop. Which sneakers am I gonna wear? And it's like, he has a, goes to his closet and he has 90 <laughs> pairs of kicks. And it's like, oh, I got a big case today. And it's like, yeah. Well, but the thing is, Shahad, actors can play different characters. They, they yeah. can, they can. Many do from what yeah. I hear. The, there was a, a woman who was on, uh, who was one of the prosecutors who I went to college with. Like she was, uh, went out with a guy in my fraternity. And so like, you know, she was, you know, at a at a dance in my fraternity, you know, like with the red cup. And now she's uh she's a lawyer on TV. But that's not right. I mean, one was her in real life and one was her on a show, right? You get that, right? That Anthony Anderson, he's a person. Which is yeah. which? Which which so let's dig in. Mike Oresco, the conference, uh, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference on Monday released an open letter that <laughs> it's one of these things, and it proves that the reporting on this is good. He just sort of reconfirmed all the things that that the people who have been writing and writing and writing and writing about this had been writing and laid out sort of all the issues. So we're going to go through his letter a little bit because the American, the, the non-Power Five, and actually he wants to do away with that phrasing, with that those distinctions, which is not a bad point, and we can get to that. But the American really wants... 
especially when Cincinnati and its best teams are leaving. They really want this expansion because otherwise they're coming off a world where their champ just made it. And now their champ is going to go to the big 12. And of course the smaller conferences, Shahan want expansion yesterday. So Michael Resco, like everybody here has personal motives, but it doesn't mean all the points he, he made aren't smart and valid. Yeah. I mean, look, We've been hearing the the change in phraseology since basically the American Athletic Conference was founded. We've heard all the the Power Six branding, all that sort of thing. But uh, but you know, I do think at the same time, uh, you give Mike Resco credit. He's been very forward with uh, trying to advocate for the conference, and that's not something that you see all the time from conference commissioners. A lot of the time, it's kind of being in the background, trying to manipulate behind the scenes. You know, I think that I think that Mike Resco gets that for the American Athletic Conference. It is a PR war, right? I mean, it's not even really a football war as much as it is a PR war because the football gap between the American Athletic Conference and and the Pac-12 and ACC is not tremendous, right? It is kind of arbitrary where that line is. Um, But, you know, at the same time, I I think that heading into this brave new world with with obviously, you know, with the American losing three of its top teams, with the Sun Belt maybe coming up, with the Mountain West potentially coming up, uh, it's going to put, I think, these group of five teams, uh, which will be more of a true group of five, I think, in a uh, in a very interesting position. Yeah, I mean, the American, the only difference really between the American and conferences like the ACC and the Pac-12 are when the ACC and Pac-12's top teams are awesome. So the, the American doesn't have yeah. Clemson when Clemson is 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 hitting on all cylinders. And the American doesn't have USC when USC is what USC should be. But when those teams aren't that, like, for instance, last year, then what's the difference? I don't know if if you're just and that's a big thing. But you take that one team off the top and then it's like, okay, well, you know. Wake Forest was good in the ACC last year. What's I don't know what the difference is between Wake Forest and American athlete. And that's not a shot at Wake Forest or the American. It's just the reality. So he does have some ground to stand on here. So let, let's go through. There'll be a couple more breakdowns than just like the uh, the police part and the, and the lawyer part, like in Law and Order. But let's start Law and Order CFP. Dong, dong. The ESPN situation. The ESPN contract with the college football playoff, they they run, they have the total package. It runs through the end of the 2025 season. I was talking to Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director recently, and this is, I mean, everybody knows this, but he said they've got to take that TV contract to market. And Shahan, we have to get to a place where ESPN is not the de facto commissioner of college football. You cannot have a TV network running the sport. And in the power vacuum that the NCAA and college football has allowed to happen, it's been filled basically by Greg Sankey running the SEC like a boss and ESPN. So they have to, the, the Super Bowl, the, the NFL playoffs are on a bunch of different networks. They, they've, especially if they expand and there are more games, they've got to get to that point. We're in a world where streaming carriers can enter that conversation. They're going to make more money off of it if they have more bidders. They're going to make more money if they spread it out and they have multiple people involved with the playoff uh, television rights. But also, you just I think you have to lessen the power of that single network. Now, I don't know that that's a sticking point because as, as I think as we understand it, again, ESPN has it still 
The TV contract was a 12-year contract. They still have it 22, 23, 24, 25. But if if the playoff expanded starting, say, in 24, which is what people are talking about if they get on the ball here, ESPN would just get that expanded playoff for two years, and then they'd take into market after the 25 season. But I do understand that this is something that needs to be discussed by the actual conference commissioners and power brokers. And if it's a sticking point in some way, this is the most reasonable sticking point to me, Shahan. Although maybe I'm not actually sure why it's a sticking point because it's just like we're taking it to market when it's up. That's assured and then figure everything else out. Well, so so when I did speak to the conference commissioners back uh, in Dallas back in November, I think it was, it did seem like there was relative consensus that it should be taken to market, that uh, even even from the SEC, even from the conferences that are ESPN conferences, it, there was still consensus that uh, that they want to take it to market. And the other point of consensus, which doesn't mean a whole lot, is there is consensus that they want to expand. That That is 100% consensus. All 10 stakeholders in the room, 11, I don't know whether, I, I don't think Jack Swarbrick gets up. I don't. I don't know how that works. Anyway, point is, uh, point is, I think that um, that there's consensus on that front. So this will happen. It will be taken to market, uh, regardless of what happens next. I think, but uh, I, I, certainly the process, whether ESPN gets basically two years of this, is going to, I think, play a big role in how the the bidding ends up going in 2025 or 2026. Do you? I, I'm. I'm. I, I got aggravated with ESPN during the last. Uh, bowl season and playoff season it it just it clarified for me what a monopoly they have on the sport that they control the bowls they control the playoff they report on the sport and, a, and they have great reporters employed by ESPN who when they do their reporting i do believe are unbiased and reporting the news in a way that serves the fans of college football but they also are yes. a company that has an agenda and has something they want to do. And I don't believe that all the analysts that talk on TV and call the games and are on the studio shows, I don't necessarily believe that all of them have the best interests of the average college football fan at heart because that's a product. It's a product for their network, and a lot of people make a lot of money off of it. So maybe I'm not maybe I'm not talking about holdups to the college football playoff. I don't like where the sport is with ESPN. And I think it will be healthier for the sport. I think it's been healthy that the SEC has been on CBS and that the Big Ten created the Big Ten Network and has the agreement with Fox. I think that's all very healthy, but the SEC is now going to ESPN. Uh, you just, you need to divide it up. And I, it's all, the sport itself is to blame. It's like if, you know, if the NFL, if there was no Roger Goodell, not that he's the greatest commissioner of all time, but at least there's somebody that organizes the ideas of the people involved. And there's a players association that organizes the people who actually play the sport. There's none of that in college sports. And the, and then it just becomes a TV show. Actually, I did. I, I'm not hundred percent sure about this, but we've talked a lot about, you know, quarterbacks and how important they are and coaches and how important they are. I heard briefly that USC before they hired Lincoln Riley thought about Anthony Anderson because ESPN thought, you know, blackish is winding down. Anthony Anderson, he's a popular guy. Everybody likes him. What if he was the USC football coach? Wouldn't that make an entertaining show? And thankfully, the powers that be at USC said, hey, 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 it's not just a TV show. It's a football team. But I am aggravated like that. Am I too aggravated about 
that and and I feel like like I just discovered it this postseason. It's been existing. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, TV runs sports, Doug. Great analysis. TV's, I mean, so so am I overreacting? Am I 10 years behind the curve? Or am I astute? And I'm gonna guess that my your answer is not that I am astute. Yeah, uh, I would have advised you to live in the state of Texas when the Longhorn ne- Network was being created. It, uh, that, this has been, oh my gosh, I I don't know how deep down this rabbit hole we want to go, but uh, but let let it be known that uh, the Texas A&M fans for a long time have uh, have had this idea of uh, what do they call it the burnt orange conspiracy uh, no media conspiracy that's what it is B O M C that, that's what they call it they basically say that uh, that the media gets together and collects up to be biased towards Texas and against Texas A&M. Sure, whatever. Anyway, but uh, I I do think, though, that that your points are well taken. I I do think that having such a monopoly on the presentation of the sport, uh, of a sport that's that's hallmark is being such a a wide and geographically diverse sport, you know, to kind of have it be this this button down thing it's really bad for the sport in my opinion. I mean, I think that it really devalues the vast majority of what's going on. I mean, we have the, you know, this show that's about the college football playoff, but you know, we are very clear about what it is, right? We are clear that we want to know about who can win the national championship. How can they win the national championship? What are paths here? I don't think that the whole sport needs to be covered like that, but because it's a, an ESPN property, because that's their most valuable real estate in this game. I think that that's a big part of why the conversation is the way that it is that why the conversation is who are these four teams going to be at the end? Why, uh, you know, why is it about just the big brands, all that sort of stuff. And, no, I do think that ultimately it does end up being bad for the sport. And I think that one way that we've kind of seen this come together is through sort of this consolidation into the SEC. You know, we see Texas and Oklahoma move over. And I think the biggest reason for it is that it's easy to cover. It's easy to only have to care about one conference. And I think that that's part of why there's going to be a little bit of a push from ESPN for this sort of Super League idea is because it's so easy to cover. It just makes it the NFL. You only have to worry about 25 teams. And I think that that's, again, just so bad for the sport. I think it completely, completely misses the point of college football. And, you know, just just taking it behind the scenes a little bit here, right? Like I obviously have people that, uh, that I speak to who, you know, have either come through ESPN or whatever. And we have to remember it, you know, this is a very Northeastern company and they don't mm. really get college football in the Northeast. They're not really watching UConn football up in Bristol, Connecticut. And I think that that disconnect really shows itself in presentation, especially when it comes to like main sports center and stuff like that. I think the SEC network gets it better because there are people who live there and have that background. But I think that a lot of the way that the sport is presented uh, and the decisions about what games to broadcast, what games to talk about, what storylines to talk about, what actually leads sports center is so insulated in that little world because I don't think that they actually get college football and ultimately, I think it's killing the sport in a lot of ways. And, and in the end, a lot of times with sports, it's like, man, if you're not on ESPN, whether you know, it's the NHL, for instance, that, hey, right. if you're not on ESPN, then they're not putting your highlights on SportsCenter and they're not talking about you as much because they don't have that extra incentive to promote their own product while covering the major sports in America. Not being on ESPN can be a bad thing for you. I think we've seen through the course of this, I think your point about they don't quite get it 
is right. And then the idea of, well, they're so gigantic that any ESPN is good ESPN. I think college football is above that. I think college football doesn't need ESPN promotion, especially as has been proven, this kind of ESPN promotion. So that it could be more effective if it was spread out. And it is spread out during the regular season. It is. I mean, Fox has their 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 big noon thing. And um, again, the SEC on CBS has been very successful. Notre Dame is on NBC, as we all know. There are more ways to go there. So it's but but really it's it's the postseason when it goes from this wider sport right at the moment when college football should be at its biggest, it consolidates on a single network that maybe doesn't get the sport in a national way. It doesn't get the regional appeal in different areas. And especially if you're going to expand and you're going to say, we're going to try to go from four to 12. So more fan bases in more parts of the country are excited about the culmination of the season. If that's on one network, the way ESPN has done it, you're taking away, you're limiting, you're putting a governor on the thing that you're trying to do which is have an explosion of the sport at the end of the year, that it's not as much of a winnowing. It is a celebration. So it has to be, it has to be more places and it has to be presented by more people. So I guess there's, I guess that's not a holdup because I don't know why anybody in college football would disagree with that. And as you said, Nobody has said they disagree with that. So I hope it's not that ESPN just says, well, here's a check for $1 zillion. Don't let anybody else have it. And college football says, oh, cool, cool, cool. Because it wouldn't be for the good of the sport. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, so let's go to the second thing, which probably actually is a holdup. And we'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. All right, Doug and Shahan back. Make sure you guys try our Tuesday show. It's for Apple Podcast subscribers. You get every Tuesday show in a month for $2.99 a month. That's four shows. Every now and then it'll be three because we do have lots. But it's still a good value. 75 cents for a dollar a show. On this Tuesday show, we talked about Matthew Stafford as a Super Bowl champion quarterback, sort of his path to that through college football as a recruit at Georgia. And then we tried to say, well, who could be six current college quarterbacks who might be Super Bowl quarterbacks one day. And we sort of looked at the history of recent Super Bowl quarterbacks. And man, you know, Tom Brady's from Michigan and Peyton Manning's from Tennessee. There's a lot of guys from smaller schools. So we didn't just pick only big, famous, popular guys from playoff contenders because there's a, a pretty deep history of successful NFL quarterbacks coming from weird crevices in the college football universe, which makes it kind of cool. So Shahan gave three and I gave three. We just would, you know, that's, that's, we want to make sure we at least have like one kind of player coach discussion every week on these two shows. That's the Tuesday show for Apple podcast listeners. If you've never tried it, I maybe try say two ninety nine. We'll take the plunge. If you've listened to this Wednesday show to this point, and we know it's only on Apple, but we're also figuring some stuff out with that. If you have access to Apple podcasts and you can, Pony up the two ninety nine. I think this would be a good time to try it. We're going to have some really good discussions on that Tuesday show. All right, Shahan. 
The ACC, new commissioner Jim Phillips, the former Northwestern AD, has really rallied, it seems, the ACC as a unit. And one of the things that has happened that we'll discuss here is everybody's breaking off in different groups, and they are discovering the power of their group, which, while the power of those groups should be used to advance their own agendas that they think best benefits their conference. I also think the discussion and the fact that it has forced different groups to rally together, that in and of itself is something that some of those groups are enjoying. The hey, and I think Jim Phillips as a new commissioner is being very smart there. The issue with the ACC, and it's we don't want to brush this off, it's health and safety is it going to be the season too long if we have an expanded playoff. But I do think part of this, Shahan, is the ACC, which often gets overlooked, which has been Clemson or nobody, while Florida State and Miami have struggled. I think they are enjoying a commissioner who's listening to them, listening to coaches and ADs, who is gathering consensus. And I just think they like having a voice. Whatever the issue would be, if they if they were rallying around the fact that they didn't like the font in the college football playoff signage, they might have a big font issue, but they would be a conference united around the font issue. And people are writing stories about, hey, man, the ACC, you got to deal with the ACC. They're powerful. I think they can get past the health and safety standpoint. Not to brush that off, we'll address how. But isn't this a little bit, I don't want to call it grandstanding. But the ACC, they haven't been able to flex a lot in recent years, other than rooting for, you know, Deshaun Watson. This is a little bit of a flex by them, isn't it? <laughs> well, and, and in addition to being a flex, I think that they feel like it's a very, like, moral majority type flex. It's a mm. very, like, oh, man, we just care about the good of football. This is actually, this I'm, I'm actually shocked. This is a very Big Ten thing to do, to to pretend to, to sort of stand up and be like, look at this stuff that's just so important. And, you know, we're the only ones who care about it. Or, or the Pac-12. That, that's another thing I think that uh, historically the Pac-12 has done, though I think that uh, George Klyavkov is kind of like, let's, let's not waste our time with that kind of stuff. But it is, in all seriousness, it is well taken, the idea. I mean, Obviously, adding more games to this is significant. Obviously, uh, you know, we'd be pushing towards almost NFL amounts of games, potentially, you know, 16, 17 type games. Um, and, and I think that's worth looking into. Uh, the the one pushback on it, I'd say, is that it's really only, it's a very small amount of teams that would be impacted by this, right? And, you know, so is it is it that, you know, just Alabama and Ohio State, for example. Like, I mean, are we worried that they don't have the depth? Are we worried that it's going to be unsafe? I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's kind of my straight answer to it is, is I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what, what the number is where it becomes too much. I'd love to see if there's specific data on it. You know, if, if there is sort of data that a 16th game or a 17th game in particular is is kind of a line physically. But, uh, you know, there, there's ways around it for sure. Um you know, I, I don't know. It feels like something that should be pretty easily be able to be worked out. And uh, and like you said, the ACC is maybe just enjoying their moment just a little bit. I do think it's possible. It's the it's the most legit. It's the thing that really might be the stickiest, because if it's one of the five power conference things to say, like, ah, we're just not in the mood right now. And they are also saying things like, well, we're dealing with name, image, and likeness. We're dealing with the transfer portal. We're dealing with the Austin decision. 
let's get that figured out first. And other people are saying like, listen, man, it's college sports. It's ever evolving. It's never gonna be figured out. It's like life. If you wait until you're ready for something, you'll be 80 years old and you were never ready. You just got to do it. So everybody else is sort of like, let's just expand in conjunction. We got, we do have to figure all this stuff out, but let's not let that hold up expansion. Let's not act like we have to take five years to get name, image, and likeness really nailed down perfectly because who knows what the next thing's going to be that's going to throw in a monkey wrench. Let's expand along with it. The health and safety, the length of the of the season, one thing that has changed is the idea of hosting some of the first-round games. Um, there was some concern by some people about some of the northern teams, like as much as I think fans in Big Ten country are like, cool, make make Alabama come to Wisconsin or whatever. Make make Auburn play at Wisconsin in a first round game. It's really cold. And more than that, like the fields are rock hard and there is a safety issue there. So they they have come up with this idea of a sort of letting those games be indoors in northern sites. So you address that part of it. So that I mean, that's like a health and safety concern that seems like, all right, we'll just play in a dome in Milwaukee or Detroit, or Indianapolis, and we'll get that figured out. I, I think that's a reasonable compromise there. Man, uh, they, Greg from Minneapolis is going to burn the place down, man. He's going to he's going to come fight me through the screen, the idea that these Southern teams don't have to play outside. It is. Fields get hard, right? Yeah. I mean, that like, that, like you don't want guys blowing out ACLs and getting concussions if they when they hit their head on the ground because they're literally playing on frozen tundra. I mean, and it's like the NFL does it. Well, they're millionaires. So that's part of the deal. So <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I mean, North Dakota state, the, the, honestly, the greatest dynasty in football right now, including Alabama, they go to Frisco every year and they love it. They don't have to play in yeah. North Dakota all year long. So you can point to situations where like, well, they do it and they do it, but I don't think that's an unreasonable compromise. The thing that I think is interesting and would address this is if you got rid of conference championship games, and this is always like, well, the big thing in college football is as soon as college football does something new, they earn the money and they immediately earmark the money and spend the money. And so it's like, well, you're going to lose that money from conference championship games. But my understanding is that that compared to the money that big time teams make from home games, it's a drop in the bucket and compared to what everybody's going to make from an expanded playoff, you could lose the conference championship game from a monetary standpoint. And I do think Shahan, if you're going to 12, it, it can be repetitive because at that point, the conference championship game, you might wind up with the Alabama Georgia scenario where would this college football season have been hurt by Alabama and Georgia not playing the first time. I don't, I don't think so. I guess it's a last chance for a team to make a case, but Alabama would have made a 12-team playoff. They wouldn't have had to win the SEC championship. And if you're a big-time conference with two good teams, and this also includes if you get rid of divisions, which we'll talk about in a little bit, if you have two good teams, both those teams should have a good shot at making the 12-team playoff. You don't need the conference championship game. In fact, what you may be doing in a conference championship game is eliminating one of those teams from the 12-team playoff. If the money's not the thing, let the first round of the playoff stand in for the conference championship games. And I think there's some reasonable ground there that would address, wouldn't that, wouldn't that address some of the health and safety issues when you talk about number of games and also 
fitting all the games they want to play into the college football calendar. I think my only concern is that we've seen, especially in the SEC, some really nifty scheduling to to have teams avoid playing each other, right? I mean, like, if Alabama and Georgia don't play each other in the regular season for years and years, right? Like, that's a concern. That, I, I think that that's not right in a lot of ways if you have these sort of two contenders. And I mean, it, it would be even, a, I, I think it would be sort of the same for like Ohio State and Michigan. Like, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play every year. Don't get me wrong. But like, you could build a schedule in a non-divisional world where you kind of make that happen, right? Where you kind of have your top teams avoid each other so they can kind of rack up wins against the the lower crust of the sport. So that would be my one thing. But, you know, it, that's that's really much more to do with the idea that a 16 team conference is probably a little too big in the first place. And I don't really know what you do about that. Do you think that would alleviate, do you think that would be a big step in alleviating health and safety concerns? We're whacking that, that game and, and, and almost that. So it's not the first round equals the conference championship game. So you're, that's one of the ways that that's not an added week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's definitely totally fair. I, I think that, you know, conference championship games are a relatively modern invention in the first place. And so, you know, it's not like we're losing some giant magnificent thing that we need to, to clutch onto for dear life. So, but I, I do think that at the same time, you know, the SEC, for example, the Big Ten, those those conferences might not see a whole lot of value in a conference championship game. It still might have some value for some conferences, though, you know, because like if you're the American Athletic Conference, maybe you just want to add another quality win to your schedule right like maybe maybe that's still a consideration it's not i mean just realistically it's not like you're going to be playing three rounds deep into the playoff anyway right so i I think it's something worth considering i do think conferences that want a conference championship game could set up something like the big 10 did i don't know if the other conferences do it like in the covid year where your last week of the regular season is going to be the conference championship game. We're going to take the two best teams and play them against each other and call it a conference championship game. And then everybody else, we're going to match up. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that is, it is a regular season week for everybody, but it also gives you a conference championship game. So if you're the American athletic conference, you could say, here are your scheduled eight conference games. And then there's a ninth week which will include the conference championship game and then games for everybody else or seven conference games. And here's the eighth week. And I think that's a solution. I thought the COVID that was one of the things you have to be creative of the creative solutions you had during the COVID year. What are things are like, you know what? That's pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. There's no reason not to do that. And then you can pair up, you know, teams on equal level. If you, you know, you can avoid rematches, you can find good games and, just let people know, well, this year you're a home game. Next year, you're a road game. We'll pair you up. And then, you know, the two, the, the, the one versus two, either the one team's the host or we have a, a neutral site that we go to. And that's just the deal. I think that would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, and that's something that we started to see a lot in college basketball, actually, for teams that are trying to, to have multi-bid leagues. It's basically just creating creating more opportunities for quality wins for everybody. And, and like you said, then you still have that eighth or ninth conference game, depending on your conference, uh, you know, and you still try to limit yourself to 12 regular season games. You could even limit it to, to fewer than that if you really wanted to. 
And so, yeah, I think that does make a lot of sense. It's an opportunity for similarly matched teams to, to play against each other. And I think that that sort of guarantees a lot of good matchups too, which just any given year, you know, you can't necessarily guarantee. So do we feel like this is a thing that's going to continue to hold up playoff discussions, the ACC stance on this? Or do we think that through negotiation, I do think the alliance matters here where the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have formed this alliance. As it turns out, that the scheduling component of it, which was fun and cool, is really, it's mostly just to get 41 votes together and build a wall against the SEC, which is a worthwhile endeavor. And I do think, to your point, the ACC is acting more like you would expect the Big Ten or the Pac-12 to act, except the Big Ten and the Pac-12 get a load of crap sometimes for acting like that. And the ACC traditionally has not acted like that. And I think the AC, it's like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are like, okay, well, we're going to like focus on football a little bit more. We're not going to try to stand up and claim we're going to go Division Three, right? That they tried to do it, they tried to postpone in the COVID year, and everybody's like, the heck with you guys, we're going to play. Then they had to come back and play. I think the Pac-12 and Big Ten are leaning more into football, which opened the door for the ACC to be like, hey, we're in the South, but we're not just like the SEC. We do care about this other stuff. So I, I think people are filling roles that maybe they're not accustomed to filling because it's kind of interesting to change your perception sometimes. Is this a huge sticking point that continues to grind these discussions to a halt? Or do they get through this eventually, Shahan, and get to an expanded playoff for the 2025 season? I I think that they definitely get through it. I think that it's something that can be worked out. And I think that it's something that's ultimately in everybody's best interest to be worked out. I will say, though, you know, you mentioned the alliance the Pac-12 has been pretty open about the fact that they will accept anything, that they will take literally any model (laughs) that expands the playoff because they just want a team to be in the college football playoff. So I'm curious from your perspective, do you see that as the Alliance cracking a little bit or do you see it more as just the Pac-12 being like, we're with them, but we're also us? No, I I think it is the Pac-12 smartly being amenable. They're the most amenable. The Big Ten's in the middle. And the ACC is the most stringent at the moment. And it's just, I think it's just mostly a negotiating style based on your perceived position in the college football universe. And the Pac-12 doesn't have much of a leg to stand on. George Klyovkov is trying to lean into football and he just wants them to be better. He's not going to throw a fit. The Big Ten, I think, is trying to maintain its stance but maybe be a little less stodgy about stuff and realize that football is king and make money and do all that stuff, but not be as much legends and leaders stuff. And I do think this is just the ACC that's basically been a one-team league trying to... Because the Big Ten's the most powerful of those three. The the Pac-12 is the least powerful. This is like the Clemson power. This is the ACC using Clemson's power before it's gone. So I get where everybody's coming from, and I I don't think all of it's genuine. I think yeah. a lot of it's a post- posturing, not in a bad way. It's just public negotiating. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, like you said, it's it's using Clemson's power before it's gone. And yeah. if I were Jim Phillips, I would advise uh, trying to reach some sort of amenable solution before <laughs> we see what post-Brent Venables and Tony Elliott Clemson look like. But it's just a weird not a weird stance. I mean, again, it's, it's not an incorrect stance. I do think that this is something that we need to, to keep in mind, but 
it just feels like you've, I mean, the, again, people are unanimous on expansion that they want it to happen in one way or another. And if that's the case, it's just kind of like, is this the hill? Is this the hill that you want to stake sort of like your whole deal on? Because the other thing too, and I, I do feel like, I, I think we mentioned this last time, but we do need to mention it again. Once we get to 2025 and beyond and we're negotiating for 2026 and and on, there doesn't need to be a, a unanimous vote. The reason right. that it needs to be unanimous now is because you're in a position where uh, where you need to change contracts. To change contracts, it needs to be unanimous. If you don't have a contract, that's not the case. You know, I, I was talking to, to Source off the record and, and they basically kind of said... You don't need unanimous votes because basically you just have to create a product that people will be resigned to participating in. And if you have, if it's four of the conferences competing in it, right, of the major conferences, the ACC is going to have to go along. They're not going to create their own playoff on the side. They're just not going to. Right. And so it is, it is a level of diminishing return at a certain point. And so you just wonder what is the concession that the ACC eventually hopes to get out of this? But yet, this is their only chance to have any power, because. Right. It, but once you, to the to your point, once they get to that stage, it's not unanimous, and they can't stop anything. And it's going to be the SEC running the show. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 are both basically going to have to go along for the ride with what everybody else determines, and the Big Ten can probably throw its muscle around to some degree. And so this is the ACC. This is the ACC's only chance so i get it but i also think i get why it's happening now but if they hold on to the point where they hold it up until the new negotiating window then it's gone so they have to get as much as they can now but i still think we'll have a, an early playoff right if right that it, i think we'll have a new playoff in 2024 because otherwise we're just going to have the new playoff in 2026 and then they're going to have no power in determining that so i do think they'll right. come around all right. Auto bids. This is something that Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, has been very strong on. The idea is, do you take the six best, highest ranked conference champs plus six other teams? Or do you take the five power five conference champs plus one, the next highest ranked conference champ and six other teams? It is a difference without much of a distinction, probably. And again, my understanding is that this is not actually a sticking point, that it's the Big Ten holding on to something. But do we believe, Shahan, this is something they can get through? It's the biggest Big Ten sticking point right now. And it's not a wild hair by Kevin Warren. He's standing up for what the 14 Big Ten teams want. This isn't going to derail anything, though, I don't think. It's just bizarre because when you hear that coming out, when you hear that you want the guaranteed five power five champs, you just assume that it's the Pac-12 and Big 12 doing it, but both have publicly come out and said that it's not them, that they don't care about that. So it's like you said, it's it's like if it's the Big 10 kind of holding on to that or if it's the ACC kind of holding on to that, it's kind of like advocating to protect. Again, it it's, goes back to like the advocating without actually caring about the thing. You know, it's, it's just such a weird situation. And I mean, it's like, how are we in a position where the Pac-12 is arguing that they don't want an auto bid for themselves with the big 10 who will always get a bid, you know, it's just such a weird position to be in. Now the big 10 champ has been left out of the four team playoff. Yeah. At times 
the idea that the Big Ten champ would be left out of a 12-team playoff is hard no, to imagine. It, but the, it's but, never, ever what would happen. And like but, the, the flip side is in 2020, uh, again, it was the COVID year. Things were kind of weird. But they would have been left out in 2020 of a 12-team playoff because they weren't one of the six highest-ranked conference champions. Both the Sun Belt and American Athletic Conference champions were ranked ahead of them. So you'd think that they would be the one who cared more about this, but that just hasn't been the case. The, the, the Pac-12. The Pac-12 would yes. have been left out? Yes. Yeah. So the one thing is, I think the one scenario is, in a world where we have divisions... We'll use the Big Ten as an example. The Big Ten clearly has an imbalance of power in the two divisions. Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are in the east, and Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Iowa, teams like that are in the west. I do think there could be a scenario where that the east champ is always going to be good. The east champ is always going to be a strong playoff contender. The West, I think you could have a year where it's a weird year. Everybody beats everybody. Maybe the east is really strong, so the west in the crossover game, just losing some games to the East. And you wind up in a crazy three-way tie at the top of the Big Ten West. And everybody is six and three. So you have a three-loss Big Ten West champ, or even a two-loss Big Ten West champ, where maybe they also have like a non-conference loss, and they have three losses overall. And they go to the Big Ten championship game, and they're ranked not in the top 25, because they have three losses. And they upset the number three ranked East champ. And all we've created this expanded playoff. The idea is conference champs get in. We're going to take some of the subjectivity out. And all of a sudden you have this three loss big 10 champ who had this awesome, cool upset, but yet is not guaranteed to get in the playoff. Now, does that mean that big 10 as a whole would be left out of the playoff? No, actually, probably the team that lost in the Big Ten championship would still get in. But the idea that, hey, I'm the we're the Big Ten champ, but we don't get in. I think that's what Kevin Warren, on behalf of the Big Ten, that's the scenario. That is because how do you tell that team? You're hanging a banner, you're the Big Ten champ, but you don't get to go. Because the Sun Belt champ, who didn't play as tough of a schedule or whatever, is higher ranked than you because you had a goofy you know, or, or tough, you you played Notre Dame in the non-conference and you, you lost to them and then you lost two games during the regular season. That's the scenario. If you do away with divisions, Shahan, which the ACC is talking about, and I think the Big Ten is open to, you eliminate that idea because now you're going to have the two best teams play, just like the Big 12 has now. And the two best teams in the Big Ten, in a, most of the time are going to be number three and number eight. And if number eight beats number three, they're in. It's not going to be number three and number 29. So I think they could, I think they are very open to eliminating divisions. And if you eliminate divisions, you eliminate this worry, which is maybe a worry they don't actually even have anymore. But I, do you, like, do you slightly get that idea that, hey, congratulations, Minnesota, you just beat number three, Ohio state, the big 10 championship. And all you did was clear a path for Utah state to make the playoff. And you're not making the playoff as the big 10 champ. I, I, I slightly get that. Or is it like tough noogies, Minnesota don't lose three regular season games. I mean, the path that it would have to take for Minnesota as a conference champion who beats hypothetically Ohio state to be ranked behind Utah state 
is like an insane path, right? Like, like you would have to be a very mediocre team in the Big Ten to do that, you know? And so like if Utah State runs 13 and 0 through their schedule and looks great and beats somebody, you know, a non-conference along the way. I don't know. Be better. <laughs> like what's be better, be better at football. I don't know what to tell you. If you're, if you're that team from the West, like I, I don't have a huge issue with that. I, if you, I, I don't think that I, I don't want to use Minnesota, uh, you know, whichever other team, Northwestern, uh, Nebraska, whoever, I, I don't think that that team has a right to feel upset if they just, didn't play football well enough, you know, in a situation, in a conference. Cause it's not like, I mean, it's not like you're going through a murder row of the conference. If, if you're, if you're eight and four or nine and three, but your three losses are to good teams. I don't think that keeps you from being one of the top six conference champions. I, I, I don't think that's the case. Cause you got to be behind two. You got to be behind two group of five teams at that point. No, I, I know, but it's like, well, what if, SMU and Utah State are are both have one law. Like I just so it's it's well, a very good. Then why wouldn't they deserve to get in? If if they're really good, if the if the question is what if there are teams that are better than us? Well, then be I don't know. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? The, the hard thing about it is like in the NCAA basketball tournament, which is obviously much larger. Everybody plays the regular season, then you play the postseason conference tournament, and the winner of that conference tournament gets in. It doesn't matter if you were last in the regular season. If you win that conference tournament, you get in. I do understand. Here's where I get it a little bit. In a world where we just said maybe punt conference championship games. If you're going to expand the playoffs, and listen, there's still some distinction between the power five, or at least the power two. The Big Ten is better than the Mountain West. I mean, that's, I'm not, no, no offense to the Mountain West, but like that's been, right. The idea that you keep conference championship games, you expand the playoff to 12 teams, you have divisions to determine the two division champs who then meet in a conference championship game, and then you're not guaranteeing that winning team a spot in this expanded playoff. If you're not going to guarantee them a spot, then like, why are we doing all these things? Why do we have divisions and have conference championship games? And why do we expand the playoff if the Big Ten champs still might not get in. Now, would you hold that whole process up over the 1% scenario that we have outlined, which is unlikely to ever happen? No, I don't think you would actually hold it up, which is why this is not an actual sticking point. But I'm, I'm not totally oblivious to the 1% suggestion. So, so, but here, let me ask again, okay? If you're Minnesota and you finish nine and three, make the conference championship game and you pull off the upset of the century against Ohio state and you finish 10 and three. Are you madder that you didn't make the playoff or that the big 10 threw away their entire scheduling structure? So you couldn't actually make the game in the first place. What are you matter about? Well, it's what Minnesota's matter about, but it's also the idea that like you're on the field, Big Ten champion X, whoever it is, you're on the field, you've won the Big Ten, you've upset this top five team. And it's like, how does it feel? Now you're going to go on to the playoff. And it's like, well, maybe we are. But you're going to go to the field. Rose Bowl. That's a huge, that's a, but if we're gonna, the last time Minnesota was in the Rose Bowl? But like, if we're going to expand to 12, are we really are we really going to be in a world where the big 10 champion doesn't make a 12 team playoff that, that, that does, that seems silly to me to, uh, on some degree, but 
Just, but so what's the best solution here? Is it for the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or whoever has brought this up, none of whom are claiming that, that it's their issue, to just give it up and just, I mean, listen, it's a 1% scenario. Who can, Or is the better solution, everybody do away with divisions, or at least if you want to do away with them, do away with the conference championship games. Just play your schedule, have your ranking. You win the Big Ten. Maybe if, if if two teams have one loss, you're co-Big Ten champs. That's fine. We used to do that too. And then just have the playoff rankings decide who makes the playoff, right? And you can determine, like, I don't even know what you would do if it's like, well, we have co-champions. Well, it's the highest ranked of your co-champs who then becomes one of the six automatic qualifiers, right? That's the one who goes in. There's still some maneuvering in there. I guess the bottom line is, can they figure it out without this being a sticking point. I mean, I just think that they better. I mean, because the reality is, right, like only one Big Ten team since we've had national championship games has played for a national championship. So like at the end of the day, is it that the Big Ten should make that path easier because they have no other shot? You know, like I just, that's not compelling to me. It's just not compelling to me the idea that, uh, you know, that the path needs to be easier for Ohio State, that it needs to be, you know, that if anybody other than Ohio state wins the big 10, it's actually a failure of the big 10, you know, like I, I just, I I think that that just does tremendous disrespect to 11 of the teams in the big 10 to, to kind of just be like, well, if you won, this would actually be a failure for the conference. And I don't know. I just, it's just a non-issue to me. If you, if you want to be one of the top 12 teams in America, then be one of the top 12 teams in America. Would you do away with conference championship games or no? If it came to that, I, I don't feel a huge affinity to them. I, I mean, if, if we could keep them, I think that that's good, but it's not something that if it's a very legitimate, safe and healthy uh, health and safety issue, then sure, I, I have no issue with that. And with what we've seen the Big 12 do, do you think the, the SEC is so big? I, I don't know that the SEC at 16 could do. A, maybe they could. I don't know. Should the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big Ten and maybe the SEC, should they do away with divisions? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely something worth looking into. I, I think that there's been a lot of talk about pod scheduling, you know, sort of having like a, a set of common opponents that you play every year. And that way we get to see Texas play Texas A&M and Texas play Oklahoma, but you still branch out a little bit more. I think that that's something that certainly could have some value, um, you know, where you kind of have like a mix and and then you can kind of play a little bit of a balanced schedule and that conference ranking can matter a little bit. So I wouldn't have a huge issue with that. And even if you wanted to play one V two from that, I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Yeah. I I think it's funny. I think, I think the big 12 actually did show the way on this. I think no divisions, top two teams play in a conference championship game or there's no conference championship game and that you protect even I like the pod scheduling where if you're like a 14 team league um, yeah, you, you'd maybe have three teams you play every year and then everybody else works through your schedule from year to year. I also think you could just protect maybe one rivalry game, right? Ohio state, and Michigan have to play every year, whatever the big yeah. 10 does, they're going to figure that out. That's not, but you could just do Ohio State, Michigan. You could do Iowa, Wisconsin, and or Purdue, Indiana, and Illinois Northwestern, and protect the games like that. And, or you could protect two or whatever how you decide to do it. I do think 
I'm, I'm more interested in doing away with divisions than I used to be. And I'm more interested in doing away with conference championship games than I used to be. And I think in service of an expanded playoff, I think you also maybe serve some other desirable outcomes here by doing some of these two that it would help the playoff, I think, but it wouldn't only be for the playoff. So I think those are some reasonable things. All right. Last couple things, money. We got to talk about money next on the college football survivor show. All right, Shahan. So the, the main thing really were the, the TV contract, the health and safety issue brought up by the ACC and the auto bid versus the, 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 the best six conference champs. The other stuff is like the current bowl structure, which I would just punt every bowl into the ocean and the Rose Bowl first. Uh, the Rose Bowl can not cram it fast enough as far as I'm concerned. And if uh, if you love the Rose Bowl, that's fine. We should not determine uh, college football's postseason around a parade. Money distribution, obviously they have to work out and they have to get that done. How do you, I mean, everybody makes a bunch of money off this and they're going to make more. How do you figure out how that money is distributed? And then is, is there any reasonable thing, Shahan, of that it is a tumultuous time in college football? Should they settle other stuff before they do this or can they all do it simultaneously? So bowls, money, tornado. Should what Are there actual sticking points in any of those three areas? I don't think so. I, I think that all three of those things can go together. Um, you know, and I don't think that's working through all three of them at the same time takes away from any of the others. So I, I definitely don't think that it should be a sticking point. I mean, yes, every program's going to be trying to figure out how to work through NIL. Every program's going to be trying to work through player empowerment, stuff like that. But that's kind of uh, stuff that programs individually and conferences have to figure out. And I don't think that, that changes how we address bowls and how we address playoff structure. Okay. So good to go then. Guess we fixed it. We, we, I mean, like, like, what, like you, so in the end, they're going to talk again in March. Are you a little surprised that this hasn't been settled yet? I'm a little surprised. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely surprised. And actually talking to, to Bob Bowlesby a couple, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he seems surprised too. He seems like they expected it to kind of be rubber stamped. That's why they released the the idea that they had the twelve team six auto bids, not uh, not defined by conference. I think that they just thought we did it. <laughs> you know, we're we're the Big Twelve, and we're one of the sort of smaller stakeholders, and the SEC is the other major stakeholder, and we agreed on this in a lot of ways. So I think that there is a lot of surprise, even in the room, that they're still having some of these conversations. Like you said. Some of it is leverage. Some of it is, you know, people trying to stake their claim as having power. I think Jim Phillips doesn't want to take a backseat to anybody. And at some point, he's just going to have to because this conference isn't that powerful. Um, You know, but I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is this. Enough people in the room want this to happen. Enough people in the room want this to happen relatively quickly. And enough people in the room, I think, will ultimately make it happen. And I think that these concessions are going to be worked through. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't come by 2024, if it is sort of one of those things where they're going to grab the ACC by the neck in 2026 and be like, you don't get a say anymore. So I do think the fact that three of the five power conference commissioners are very, very new, Jim Phillips in the ACC, Kevin Warren in the big 10 and George Kleofkoff in the PAC 12. I think that matters. I think that of the other two commissioners, one shivved the other. Greg Sankey and the SEC stealing two teams from Bob Bowlesby in the Big 12. I think that matters. I think it is a weird set of relationships. I think that matters. The other thing that I do think is at play here, 
all the financial statements from all the different athletic departments around the country came out in the last two or three weeks. And there are departments that are 20, 30, 40, 60 million dollars in the hole because of COVID and because playing a college football season with no fans in the stands in a lot of situations. Ohio State's 40 million dollars in the hole. This is an easy way to make money now. And two extra years of an expanded playoff and the money that that would generate for everybody instantaneously. A lot of schools, Ohio State's going to take a loan from the university and pay back the $40 million it owes over a period of time. They're going to try to increase revenues. Gene Smith was saying, like, they got to kill it at the concession stands at football games. Like, that's the kind of thing they're talking about because nobody wants to change how they operate. Nobody wants to cut sports. Nobody wants to stop paying college football coaches ridiculous amounts nobody wants to you know they're tightening their belt sort of administratively and you know they're they put sports information directors on furlough for two weeks and that kind of thing they did that stuff but they don't want to fundamentally change what they do so the biggest solution to like erasing 40 million dollar holes in your budget and paying back loans it's not cut and spending it's adding revenue and there is a, a there is additional revenue staring them in the face. And the idea that they're going to haggle over what health and safety is the most legitimate thing. They've got to get that figured out. But there are answers there. There are answers. It's not in a, a, an unsolvable problem, Shahan. I think the COVID situation and the need for money is the thing that gets this over the top. That maybe in the world where everybody in college football had so much money, they didn't know what to do with it. They're going to build another waterfall in the locker room. That's not the case right now for people. And this is a windfall. And it's basically, do you want two extra years of an expanded playoff and extra money or not? So, and then when you take it to market, so if ESPN, so I think it'll be 14 playoff, 22, 23, we'll get to an expanded playoff for 24 and 25, goes to market, new TV contract for 26. You're going to have two years of what it looks like and how successful it's been. And then when you take it to market, you're not theoretically taking it to market. You're taking this slamming postseason to market and Amazon and Peacock and the streaming, some Bitcoin streaming service with an NFT. Those are the two. I just, I'm saying, saying digital words, the metaverse, Mark Zuckerberg's (laughs) going to put the quarterfinals in the metaverse. So, and they're going to have proof of the success. There's no reason not to do it. And everybody needs money right now. <laughs> just just saying buzzwords over here, just reading, just Googling the, the phrase internet words and, and repeating it back at each other. Man, do you think that Mark Zuckerberg has ever watched a college football game? Do you think he has any idea, like, anything about this? Like, imagine Mark Zuckerberg standing in the middle of Brian Denny Stadium. Like, he, he just would have no idea like what's going on. Just it, any part it, of it. There's too much human emotion being expressed <laughs> in that stadium. It would overwhelm him. Why I, I is everyone a, cheering and being joyful? 
<laughs> I need somebody to explain to Mark Zuckerberg that Auburn is the Tigers and the Yale War Eagle and just see his head explode. Like, I just have no idea what's going on. Anyway, but but yeah, I do think that that's ultimately uh, very likely to happen. Um, like you said, the first two years, especially, I think are just going to do gangbusters numbers, you know? And so why wouldn't you want to have that to show to, to people? Why wouldn't you want to have that to show to advertisers if you're the networks? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, it is bad for the sport that we haven't come to a decision on this already, even if it is to stay at four, even if that is the solution at the end of the day, just to take it to market with four, the fact that we're still having this conversation and the fact that the conversation is almost so much more dominated by what's going to happen next than what's happening on the field is a real indictment of what is happening on the field right now and the level of interest in that. So they need to figure out something soon. I mean, 2024 is, uh, is what, two years away at this point? Like, they, they got to get these logistics together. And I think that, uh, I think that, Certainly, we can look at what's happened over the past couple of years, and I think that the conferences all agree that it's not good enough. When the NFL added a seventh playoff spot in both conferences, they just did it. And then everybody went back to talking about Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. College football is like, let's talk more structure. It's like, can we please get back to Bryce Young? Okay. Uh, I hope that was valuable. I think it'll happen. I think we'll have the expand. I, I've gone back and forth. I am back on the idea of expanded playoffs starting in 2024. Two years of it on this TV deal. Go to market with a giant successful property and uh, and make a lot of money for everybody. And I think it's better for the fans. I think it's better for the fans. We don't care about money. But but unless the money trickles down to the players directly. but And, and, and theoretically, if they make more money, they shouldn't have to charge as much for tickets. But inevitably... Again, you the, the college football athletic department, if if you give them a $5 bill, they've spent it in five seconds. It's like, oh, I just was asking you to hold that $5 bill for me. It's like, I'm sorry, we built a rowing house. It's like, but I just, it was five, it was my lunch. It was my lunch money. It's like, I'm sorry. It's for the, the new fencing facility. They, the, It's in and it's out before you know it. So thanks for your donation and sorry about your lunch. We'll be back next week. Actually, next week, we're going to be a little delayed Instead of the Apple show on Tuesday and the show on all platforms on Wednesday, we'll do the Apple show on Wednesday and the show for everybody on Thursday. My daughter is marching in a parade in Disney World, so I'm going to be there. So I have to delay our podcast as a result. If you have a problem with that, then you have a problem with my daughter marching at Disney World, and then we have to talk. Um, Shahan, you got you going to come? You're invited. You want to come watch my daughter march in Disney World? A little late, isn't it? I, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I gotta gotta book tickets, gotta gotta book my spot at the Nickelodeon Hotel. I, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hurry. I'll get to the itinerary. I'll see you down there. All right, uh, all right. I'll, I'll catch you at the the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's, it's actually quite fun. I, oh, uh, I love it. Yeah, the uh, you wave your wand and the stuff happens. Um, <laughs> I, I think that we went before uh, all of that. I don't think I've been since they've done and updated this whole thing. I we went like right at the beginning. Oh, okay. No, they have a train now in between. Yeah. It feels like you're uh, going to Hog- Hogwarts or whatever it's called. Okay. <laughs> Thanks to you guys for listening to this edition of the College Football Survivor Show. For Shahan Jeharaja, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was the College Football Survivor Show. <laughs>